Welcome to Everyday Health Simplified. I'm Elisa Poole, ex-teacher turned health enthusiast. Each episode, you get bite-sized pieces of nutrition and mindset education so that you can be empowered to take the next step on your wellness journey. Welcome back to the show. A few weeks ago, I did an episode about how our bodies store the calories from our food in two ways, in the fridge and in the freezer. And in that episode, we talked about how we won't burn fat or change our weight unless we start eating from the freezer instead of the fridge. And the problem is that most of us don't know how to make that happen. So we're actually eating from the fridge all day long, never bothering to empty out our freezers. And some of us are actually adding more to our freezers even as we eat from the fridge. After that episode, number 21, in case you wanna check it out, I got a request to explain a little bit more about blood sugar and why it matters. So that's what we're doing today. Shout out to Everyday Health Simplified listener, Dee Dee Fitch in Oregon. I always welcome suggestions on topics you're curious about, so please share them with me. The goal of today's episode is to help you understand the role blood sugar plays in weight gain, metabolic inflexibility, and your overall health. First, let's get clear on what blood sugar is. Blood sugar is the glucose that comes from the foods you eat when it's in your bloodstream. It's the sugar circulating in your blood and it's called glucose. Blood sugar rises in response to the food you eat. This glucose typically comes from carbohydrates since dietary fats don't affect our blood sugar and proteins have a minimal effect on our blood glucose levels. After you eat carbohydrates, your blood sugar rises, which signals the pancreas to produce insulin. Insulin is a hormone that moves glucose out of our blood and into our cells. The more glucose that's in your blood, the more insulin is released. Put another way, the more you eat foods that spike your blood sugar, the more insulin your pancreas will produce. What normally happens is that insulin moves glucose into your cells for energy and then blood sugar levels normalize again, and usually this takes about two to three hours. If you don't need that glucose for energy right away, then the glucose can be stored in two places, the liver and your muscles, where it's converted and stored as glycogen. Your liver can store around 100 grams of glycogen and your muscle up to 500 grams of glycogen. That amount depends on your diet, your level of exercise, and other factors. Insulin is a good thing. We want insulin to be working normally. Muscle glycogen is mainly used as fuel for your muscles when you're exercising instead of your blood glucose levels. You use up more of your muscle glycogen the more intense your workouts are. Your liver glycogen is involved with making sure your blood sugar stays stable. When your blood sugar gets low, your pancreas will release glucagon, a hormone that triggers glycogen to convert it back to glucose so that your blood sugar stays stable. So as a recap, you eat carbs, your blood sugar spikes, your pancreas releases insulin to store the glucose as glycogen. If your blood sugar drops, your pancreas releases glucagon to turn glycogen back into glucose. (laughs) It's a fairly simple process, just a whole lot of gluz. Problems arise in this process when you eat more carbohydrates than your body uses or more than it can store. Your liver and your muscles have a limit to how much glycogen they can store, 
And if you're eating often, the hormone glucagon is not getting signaled to turn glycogen back into glucose because it doesn't need to since you just ate again. The only hormone being released is insulin, which is telling your body to store more calories. When you eat more carbs than you can store, any excess glycogen is then converted into triglycerides, and these are stored in your fat cells or constantly circulate through your blood. Fun fact about your fat cells, you don't actually make more fat cells or lose fat cells. Your fat cells are able to expand a bajillion times their size. So when we're talking about burning fat, we're actually not talking about losing fat cells. We're talking about burning off the stored triglycerides that are inside your fat cells. So let's take this to the real world for an example. Let's say you have your breakfast at home and then you go to work. Mid-morning, there is a meeting and they have an assortment of pastries, muffins, and bagels available. And even though you're not really hungry and it's only been a couple of hours since you ate, you figure it's free and it's yummy. I'll have half a bagel with some cream cheese for protein. That's an example of eating more than your body needs. There was actually no signal from your body to eat. You ate because you saw the tray, your eyes saw food and other people eating it, and there's a cultural norm of having snacks at every single meeting, and you didn't want anyone to think you were weird for not having anything, so you ate something. Well, guess what? Your metabolism doesn't care about societal norms. It only cares if you need food or not. And since you just ate breakfast a couple hours ago, your blood sugars are still in the process of normalizing. So when you eat that muffin at the meeting, your blood sugar rises again. And this time, when insulin is released, it cannot store the glucose in the liver or your muscles, so it stores it as fat. Another problem with foods like those muffins, bagels, pastries, etc., is that they raise your blood sugar very quickly, and that blood sugar can drop quickly. Every time your blood sugar drops quickly, some of your brain cells will signal an urge to eat. So if you have a high-carb breakfast, like cereal or bagel or juice drink, you might actually be hungry in two hours because you haven't really gotten any nutrients in your system yet that promote a feeling of fullness. And those foods are proteins, veggies, and healthy fats. The moral of this story is that the more you eat carbs that your body doesn't need or more than it can store, your body has no other place to put them except inside your fat cells. And if you do this on a regular basis, it can cause weight gain, metabolic illnesses like insulin resistance, and more. Let's talk about insulin resistance a little bit because it's important to understand and has detrimental impacts on your health. Insulin resistance is when your cells no longer receive the signal from insulin to accept the glucose in your blood. Here's a helpful analogy. Think of insulin as a UPS delivery guy and your house as a cell. Insulin comes to your door, knocks on it, and drops the package of glucose off on your doorstep. You hear the knock, you open the door, you bring the package inside. That's how things work normally. As the deliveries increase in frequency, your house starts getting really full of glucose. And eventually, you need the delivery driver's help to stuff the next package into your house. And then the cell is like, hold up, this is too much. It starts singing, like Twisted Sister, we're not gonna take it. No, we ain't gonna take it. No more blood glucose. 
in here. Da -na 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 -na. And eventually, your house is so full that you stop answering the door, no matter how many times the insulin delivery driver knocks. When this happens, your body has developed insulin resistance. It resists insulin, and this leads to metabolic diseases like type 2 diabetes, heart disease, some forms of cancer, obesity, and more. These are all nutrition-related illnesses that are preventable and reversible in most cases. As if that weren't enough, high blood sugar levels also increase the amount of cortisol in your body. Why this matters is because cortisol mobilizes our stored triglycerides and then relocates them to the visceral fat cells surrounding our vital organs and belly. There are 40 times more cortisol receptors in our visceral fat cells than in our subcutaneous fat cells, which sit just below our skin. Subcutaneous fat cells help us regulate our body temperature and cushion us from falls and does helpful things like that. Your visceral fat is found deep inside your torso. It wraps around your organs and makes them work harder, and it's under your ab muscles. It's what makes our belly stick out, and it feels pretty firm to the touch. This kind of visceral fat is highly linked to diabetes, heart disease, and poor insulin response. Instead of singing about milkshakes, your blood sugar is singing, my cortisol brings on the fat to my heart. Uh, 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 uh. Now, this is even more of a problem for people who are overweight or obese. It's normal for cortisol levels to increase a small amount after eating. For people of healthy weight ranges, this cortisol increase is about four to 6%. But for people who are obese, it can increase up to 50%. This is harmful not only in that it spikes cortisol, which adds more triglycerides to your visceral fat cells, but also because it impacts their sleep cycles, which is when most of our cellular cleansing and healing hormones are released. Also, high blood sugar levels are linked not only to insulin resistance and higher cortisol, but also to balancing our reproductive hormones. If you have problems regulating your blood sugar because of insulin resistance, you are likely causing imbalances of estrogen testosterone, and more. Sugar is highly inflammatory, so it can affect many other areas besides our weight. There are signs that your blood sugar could be off. I will list a few of them, and I'll be honest, I had several of these up until only a few years ago. So if you have any of these, consider yourself normal, but that doesn't mean it's somewhere you wanna stay. Normal is not always good. Here are some signs your blood sugar might be imbalanced. One. If you crave sweets, breads, or pastries often, and then when you eat them, you want more of them. Two, you get hangry if you miss a meal. Oh man, did I ever get hangry. Number three, you need caffeine to get through the day. Number four, you feel lightheaded if you miss a meal. Number five, eating makes you tired and you want to nap afterwards. Six, you find it difficult to lose weight. Seven, you feel weak, shaky, or jittery fairly often. And number eight, your waist measures the same or more than your hips. Are any of those ringing a bell with you? I know at least four or five did for me. So if you have some signs that your blood sugar levels may be off, you might be wondering, what can you do about it? Well, the most obvious response is to eat foods that don't spike blood sugar levels. Instead, favor foods that raise it slowly, provoking a softer insulin response. These are typically foods like proteins, vegetables, nuts, seeds, and unrefined carb sources. 
Let's talk about unrefined versus refined foods, just to get clear. Refined foods are foods that have been processed, meaning they have been stripped of the natural fibers that help lower blood glucose. Then they've had other things added back in, things like artificial sweeteners, thickeners, fake fats, colors, preservatives, which all add to the problem. They also often add vitamins and then they call it enriched on the package so it sounds healthy. But now you know better. Eating unrefined carbohydrates are much better for your health overall and tend to raise your blood sugar more slowly. Unrefined carbohydrates are things like quinoa, legumes, lentils, yams, sweet potatoes, golden potatoes, beets. Now as a reminder, those refined things that we want to avoid are flours, pasta, bread, cookies, crackers, bagels, muffins, and yes, even gluten-free versions of those can spike your blood sugar pretty dang high. Rice can be both. If you're eating rice, look for wild rice, black rice, brown rice. These all still have the natural whole. Brown rice can be harder on your digestion, so you might consider soaking it, sprouting them, rinsing it, like cooking it with broth. And then if you're eating white rice, make sure to eat protein with it to lower the insulin response. You can also eat fruits, of course. Fruits are delicious. Fruits that have lower spikes in blood sugar are things like cherries, berries, lemons, limes, passion fruit. Fruits that spike blood sugar higher are things like bananas, mangoes, peaches, melons, etc. Although you're typically not eating as many servings of fruit as you do of cookies, so it's typically a better choice. Additionally, you can eat more fiber. Another reason we love those veggies and unrefined starchy carbs is because they are higher in fiber. Fiber is all the non-digestible parts of plants that help us lower our glucose levels as well as lower fat absorption. They help with weight control and they promote healthy gut bacteria. So it's winning on a lot of fronts. One last thing you could do is give your body enough time in between your meals for your blood sugar levels to come back down. Time, 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 let your blood sugar leave. All right, usually this looks like avoiding snacks during the day or after dinner. If you're hungry in between your meals, that could mean you need to increase your protein intake, your veggie intake, your healthy fats, or all of them. You also want to allow your body time at night to rest and digest. Practice creating a basic rest and digest window for 12 hours every night from the end of the last meal of one day to the first meal the next day. This gives your body a chance to stop digesting and start healing. It's pretty simple to do. If you finish dinner at 7 p.m., then you wait to eat breakfast until 7 a.m. or later. And since you're sleeping much of that time, it's pretty easy to accomplish. Here's the truth about weight loss. It's not actually the calories that make a difference. It's whether or not your body can access the stored calories in your fat cells. That's where you will lose the weight, and that depends on your blood sugar levels. The whole calorie deficit mentality is a big myth that has harmful implications for our health and metabolism. In the show notes, I've included a link to a free resource that exposes four big weight loss myths that are messing with our minds and our health. Check out the notes right now so you can be sure you're not believing one of them. I used to believe all of them. I hope I've given you a lot to chew on in this episode. I'd love to hear your thoughts, so if you'd be willing to leave a review, I would appreciate it very much. Remember, our blood sugar levels are under our direct control. Keep practicing health every day, and we'll see you next week.